Welcome to the Bishop and Vickers. I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington, and joining are the three vicars, Father Pat Kurse, the pastor of St. Thomas More and vicar for priests, Father Brian Mee, the pastor of St. Augustine and the vicar for finance, and Father Darren Connell, rector of Our Lady Lord Cathedral. Always and the last General. one introduced. Yes, the first shall be last. This is a topic that that comment uh, reflects a certain unhappiness in your position in life. I'm but sad. Yes, and you should be sad. Sad eyes, that was your nickname in high school. Sad eyes. Uh, okay. Um, anyway, we're going to speak about the topic of happiness. And maybe to begin our conversation for our listening audience is a quote from John Henry Newman. God knows what is my greatest happiness, but I do not. There is no rule about what is happy and good. What suits one would not suit another. And the ways by which perfection is reached vary very much. The medicines necessary for our souls are very different from each other. Thus God leads us by strange ways. We know he wills our happiness, but we know neither what our happiness is nor the way. We are blind. Left to ourselves, we should take the wrong way. We must leave it to him. That's from John Henry Newman. But Father Me, at the before we were when Father Connell was putting on his makeup for the radio show, uh, <laughs> I not a very good video. job. Yeah. I thought there was video. No, Someone said there'd be video. This is Gina Vanelli once saw pictures of all the vicars and was happy we have a radio show. Father Me, where's it, where do you think that uh, John Henry Newman got that? Was it based more something in the lives of the church, the early centuries, perhaps? I would think so, Bishop. Um, it, it echoes very much. Uh, uh, chapter from St. Augustine's Confessions, where St. Augustine's is uh, coming up with some of those same points as far as happiness is something that we all seek, uh, but none of us seem to. We, we look for it in different places in different ways, and, um, but it's, it's something that's common, the desire to be happy or for happiness. And he goes back to Aristotle and he uses um, the Greek term eudaimonia, which means the happiness of the soul. And so that's where he begins his journey or his um, consideration of happiness and what true happiness is. But I'm not going to tell you what that true happiness is yet, Bishop. Good. Because we really are in the midst of the uh, April rating sweep. Yes, uh, keep them. Evidently, there's another diocese in the Northwest outside the state that is trying to compete with our radio show. So we're going to have to be creative. Um, it probably will involve uh, stretching uh, people's <coughs> imaginations. But not that's for not hand show. puppets? No, hand puppets got okay. us canceled okay. last year. <laughs> Father Curse, what about, you know, we talk about people, all I want to be is happy. You know, sometimes people use it as an excuse. Looking back in your many years of priesthood and your service, were there happier years than others or assignments? Well, I believe some might. I, I really struggle with uh, happiness as the primary pursuit in life as much as we say we're about the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, I, I temper that always with the realization that our complete happiness is something only to be realized in heaven, so anything we experience now is 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 much less than that, uh, or maybe not a whole lot less than that. But at any rate, uh, I do recall, if I can stretch back even before life of priesthood, that in my first years of discernment uh, in seminary, 
the question I know I was asking myself, whether I came up with it myself or other people suggested it to me was, can I imagine being happy as a priest? And I do recall that that didn't get me very far down the road in discernment. I, mm-hmm. After years, I still could not answer that question very well. And when I was recommended by a spiritual director, flip that around and say, does God want you to be a priest? Then things move much more quickly. And I got to a point where I obviously came to that decision. Yeah, I think God wants me to be a priest and I'm content with that. I wouldn't say I'm happy with that. But I guess I I too quickly moved to calling happiness like giddiness. Mm-hmm. You know, gosh, skiing down that mountain sure made me happy. It was mm. fun and everything. But but that's not really a profound sense of happiness. It's very fleeting and so forth. And, and uh, biblically, happiness is a much more profound thing that it, I always see as having a correlation with joy, but it's not exactly the same thing. That's right. Um, oftentimes we'll talk about the experience of a funeral, that people aren't generally happy at a funeral unless they really didn't like the person who died. Uh, but uh, it's still an experience of joy because we know God's with us and our response to that in faith is to, to be joyful. That flows from our trust in God and know everything's in God's hands. So we can be joyful and sad at the same time if sad is the opposite of happiness. But getting uh, more philosophical than Augustine here, perhaps. But mm. anyway, through my years as priest, have there been times I've been more more content than others? I'd say, yeah. I won't specify those because I don't want to di- uh, disillusion <laughs> any, <laughs> any former parishioners. But, uh, yes. but, but I think perhaps sure. the moral of that story is that, that if, if we're in alignment with the will of God in our lives, we're going to experience happiness. It's not going to be complete happiness because that's what we look forward to. But. And, and peace, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Father Connell, what are your thoughts on this topic? As in introductory <coughs> talk uh, moments. My uh, talks are centered around something that you uh, say often uh, regarding um, our wants and our needs. Do you want to give us that little nugget? Uh, oh, that little chestnut. Yeah. That little chestnut. Uh, <laughs> yeah, once ne- our wants are endless. Our needs can be met. And wants will lead to pleasure, which is passing. And needs can lead to happiness, which can be lasting. But as, as uh, Father Kirst had said about joy, um, joy takes happiness beyond, and we can be in the midst of sadness. For example, uh, although I played a doctor on television once, I don't know the, <laughs> the difficulties. I'm told that when women give birth, it's a very difficult moment. There is, in one sense, unhappiness with the pain, but the joy of the birth of a child is one of those things where in sadness or difficulty, it could be joy. But uh, it's, I think in our culture, there's such a confusion on wants and needs and pleasure and happiness that that type of confusion leads to people who are anything but. Well, let me... Uh, with Dovetail that, or... No, that would, that, would be, <laughs> that would be the prenotando to what do, I'm going to... Do a deep dive on this. Yes, yeah. I'm going to kind of circle, uh, bring back. The, circle back and bring it down to something very practical but, that happened in my family some years ago. My parents have a place or had a place on Waits Lake, and one year... We had uh, the kids uh, had scraped and saved together. And we got these three old jet skis. Uh, they didn't run very well, but my brother-in-law is a, a mechanic, and so he kind of kept them pieced together for the summer. And we just had hours and hours and hours of of fun on the on the lake uh, with those old uh, jet skis. And when it came, and we had never had them before. There was something brand new uh, for us. Uh, and at the end of the summer, we began having conversations. Well, maybe we should kind of pool our money and get the next level up, get jet skis that are a little faster, a little newer. And uh, and as we talked about it, it just occurred to me, I said, my gosh, we just had all this incredible uh, fun and family time, and now we want something even newer and better, which which I think goes to what you say, that you know, our, our, do we do we really need something uh, newer or better, do we want it? And because we were perfectly, perfectly content in our, 
our, our poverty, if you will, of having these broken down uh, jet skis that, and yet <clears throat> we still wanted more. And I know that had we done that, we didn't, uh, it would never have satisfied us uh, any more than, than the old ones did. Did the jet ski have a sidecar for your? <laughs> it was a side fin. Yeah, Bessie Feed was a good neighbor of yours, wasn't she? I, used to ride with you. She. Uh, that, that's still a little painful. That okay. whole. Well, that's another <laughs> topic. Moving on. Um, yeah, we. Um, you know, so often when we meet people who are going through difficult moments, they'll talk about. Again, we've we've used this phrase. All I want to be is happy, and um, it's probably not the time when people are certain degree of suffering, wanting us to lecture them on happiness. But how do we, and, and as we serve God's people in our parishes or in the diocese, um, is there a way that we can help guide people to see this, this need of uh, understanding happiness, perhaps from the point of view of a Christian, uh, as Augustine or John Henry Newman might? Well, I think something Father Kerr said, the, um, that whole idea of pursuit of happiness, it, um, it's very illusory, how do you find happiness? You know, we look for happiness outside of ourselves. But again, St. Augustine, he said, he came to the realization that um, it's not outside of ourselves, but it's something that's within us, uh, and that's where we're to seek that happiness. And uh, in other words, it comes from something, a way of life that we're to be living. And um, if we look for it in whatever it may be, whatever worldly things it is, uh, it can give us a temporary excitement or uh, energy or, or joy, um, but it's not really that which is lasting. And of course, that's, we're all called to that lasting joy. Um, but that really comes from somehow, uh, that comes from our relationship with God. That's the only place we're going to find true happiness. And therefore, that goes back to the virtues that we were talking about in the radio show before faith, hope, and charity. It's living faith, hope, and charity, and uh, having those virtues that then, no matter what the, the daily or the passing situation might be, be it joyful or, or be it um, um, tragic, still there's deeper down at a greater depth, there's a joy uh, because we have that relationship with God. I think another opportunity to reflect on, on happiness and its dynamic at work in life is on those rare occasions when uh, we as priests are approached by engaged couples and, and would like to be married in the church. And, and in the marriage preparation process, I know what I typically do when I'm first getting to know the couple is, is ask them why they want to get married to each other. And then I answer that for them, okay, because you love each other. I say, well, what, what does that mean? What does that mean that you love him? And, and more often than not, the answer is that, well, he makes me happy, she makes me happy. And then I get to ask the question, well, what happens on the day when he doesn't make you happy, when he really ticks you <laughs> off and, and you just want to strangle him? And that leads to a conversation about uh, what is true Christian love. And perhaps the better response to that would be, why do you love him? It would be because I want to direct my life to making him happy or helping him be happy. So it's that other-centered uh, love that is is pure and is of Christ. And, and, and then we talk about, well, what does it mean then that you're happy? You're glad you're with this person, and so it, it can open up a, a a wide variety of reflections upon what happiness can mean in a marriage. And obviously, people enter a marriage and they want that to be a happy experience. And, but sometimes we know it, it's not that way. Just as sometimes moments in priesthood aren't really happy as people might classically define it, but uh, but still, of course, meaningful and joy filled. One of the um, comments made is happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. How would you answer that if that was a 
allowing, if you answered it properly, you have a cash prize or a brand new 1973 AMC Hornet. Well, what's the question again? <laughs> Happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. Now, harmony is that website well, that none of you should be on, but um, what do you think? I think that's true. <laughs> and I think you know, well that goes to the thing of uh, of all of us what we're looking for actually is that and this goes back to St. Augustine so it's it's truth we're looking for truth and so um, none of us, us like being lied to I, mean, I think we're all in agreement with that although occasionally we may lie to another uh, what we really desire is truth and of course God you know, is that truth that we're all seeking. So we're only going to find that joy uh, when we ourselves are living a truthful life because that brings us into harmony uh, with God as well. But a little off of that, as back to um, that relationship where our husbands and wives and all of that, um, you know, there, there's two sides. There's generosity on one and gratitude on the other. And I think um, you could almost see generosity and gratitude as spouses of one another and in all human relationships, one is giving and the other is receiving, but there has to be a thankful for, thankfulness for that as well. And, uh, and those roles can switch that the person who's grateful one day is the one who's generous next, but we're out of time. We're going to take a break and when we get back, we'll continue this topic, including um, announcing to the listening audience the happiest city in America. back to the Bishop and Vickers, we're talking about happiness. How's it experienced? How's it seen? Not just in theological terms necessarily, but in the lived, the lived uh, lives and, and uh, reality of our faithful and, and beyond. The quote that I read before the break um, is more reflection on that. Happiness is when what you think, what you say, <clears throat> and what you do are in harmony. Yeah, I, when you read that, I was uh, thinking about um, two things. One, your love of the French. And, and a yes. French saying, which you'll have to translate for me, I, know, I only know it in English, but it is, um, there is no softer pillow than a clear conscience. Je m'appelle de Rochetti. Au revoir. Excellent. one semester in France. Wow, it's impressive. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and obviously what, what that phrase captures is that, is that, it, that when you have that integrity b between what you say and do and how you act, um, you're not conflicted and you have a, a clear conscience and people with clear consciences uh, can sleep great and those who are tortured Shh, by... That's my problem. Oh, that's right. You don't sleep very well, do you? <laughs> not a good sleep. Yeah. Um, and those who don't you know, have that, that more tortured conscience, that more, that more damaged conscience, uh, um, the, the soul that is wounded uh, doesn't bring good, good sleep. It's captured in that, which during this season of Lent is a nice reminder because uh, of the opportunity to find that, that sense of peace and contentment through the sacrament of, uh, of reconciliation. The other day I was looking at this medieval painting of a priest sitting in an old uh, confessional on one side. Uh, this, this man was being led out by an angel and he's just beaming with happiness. But on the other side there's this guy kneeling down and uh, Satan has a chain on him trying to pull him away and it's very dark and, and, and gloomy. And obviously it, it, uh, you know, Satan had no interest in that man confessing his sins and, 
and getting right with God again. Uh, he wanted to remain in that sense of, of unhappiness and gloominess compared to the guy who had a sense of peace and happiness. That's a great image. <clears throat> One probably not appropriate on the Christmas bulletin, I'll change it. Before the break, we were talking about uh, the role of gratitude and, and peace, and it seems that those people who are truly happy, not, not giddy, as Father Kirsch used that phrase, there's no place for giddiness in the church, but those who are, are happy usually are the most grateful people, uh, and generous for that matter, because they, they're able to um, uh, see things uh, in the perspective of as gift, and we would hope that uh, maybe in our conversations with people, sometimes there are those people who always seem agitated, never quite at peace, never happy, and maybe it's because they're not grateful or they're not generous. Uh, any things on, in, the, in your experience, follow me on that, pastorally speaking or in your studies? Well, I, in, I think that's true. I'm, I think we all seek happiness, and it's a way that we seek it. If we seek, if I think, well, if I have enough money, or if I have fame, or if I have um, whatever um, uh, power. Jet skis. Jet skis for some mm. people, that's enough for them. But I, we, we seek happiness through things, through the outside. Um, and none of those, all of that is elusive, you know. But it's, how many of us, we've had the experience of being able to help someone else, you know, uh, be generous towards another. And probably uh, we would all admit that the times that we have done that, that brings us a great joy, even though we're giving away that which we have as well. So it's not, happiness isn't in that collecting of things, but oftentimes it's in that sacrificing of things uh, and giving away things, uh, helping others that, that we find that true joy. But I, something came up during the um, the commercial break, and uh, I don't recall exactly what it was, but it reminded me, I think it's somewhat on topic, there's, um, there's a novel by Nikos Kazantzakis, a Greek writer, and he's probably most famous for The Last Temptation of Christ. But he wrote a, a novel on St. Francis, and in one scene, St. Francis is uh, walking with his friend, Brother Leo, and it's cold, it's wet, it's miserable out, they're looking for somewhere to stay, and as they walk, um, uh, St. Francis says, Brother Leo, do you know what perfect joy is? And Brother Leo says, well, no, no, I don't, I don't know. And, um, and St. Francis says, well, perfect joy, even if you had the wisdom of all uh, the, great, you know, the great prophets, that would not be perfect joy. And they work a little, walk a little further and uh, Francis asked the same question, Brother Leo, do you know what perfect joy is? And Brother Francis, or Brother Leo, well, I'm not sure. Even if you had um, the knowledge of angels, that would not be perfect joy. And it goes on like that, and Brother Leo is getting exhausted by the fact of um, these questions St. Francis is asking. They finally get to this little friary, this little monastery, and they knock on the door hoping to find you know, a warm welcome there. Well, the porter, the friar that's a porter, he kicks them out, beats them up, and thinks there are two frauds walking around <laughs> coming to the monastery. Now, St. Francis says, Brother Leo, now that's perfect joy. And Brother Leo, of course, completely befuddled. And, but Francis says, it's when we truly sacrifice ourselves and suffer in the name of Christ and unite ourselves to his suffering and sacrifice. That is when we can experience true joy. And it goes back to that whole thing. It's not in... The things that we're able to um, 
capture the things we're able to get in life, but it is that somehow that union that we have with Christ that will bring us that perfect joy, even in something as, um, as well, counterintuitive as suffering and sacrifice, even in times of sickness that one may experience. It used to be that uh, someone would say, well, I'm offering up my sickness or my suffering uh, for another, you know, and, and joining that to the sacrifice of Christ and finding contentment and joy in that. So it's, it's in that union somehow with God that we find joy, happiness. Well, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, as you were uh, sharing that, Father, me, I was thinking of, you know, Jesus himself, who seems to be a fan of happiness. And, and if we uh, say the word blessedness, which was essentially the same thing, I think, in the gospel, and we think of the Beatitudes, and the things that Jesus described as, as leading to blessedness, blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit, the meek, those who are persecuted, those who are insulted for his sake. Those are not, uh, on the surface, happy things. Uh, and yet, as we uh, dive deeper into those and see that it, it describes the very life of Jesus himself, and then is the, the, the life of Christ flowing through a person, again, getting back to what you said earlier, Father Mead, that... Uh, Happiness really comes from within us, and it's that Christ within us who, when he flows forth in, in this life of beatitude, of blessedness, that that is, is happiness. And, and I see sometimes in translations of the, the gospel, rather than blessed are the poor or the poor in spirit, it says happy are the poor in spirit. So I think they're, uh, you know, interchangeable terms. One of the uh, other quotes from Chesterton uh, is, happiness is a state of the soul, a state in which our natures are full of the wine of ancient youth, in which banquets last forever and roads lead everywhere, where all things are on the exuberant leadership of faith, hope, and charity. Hmm. Would that be the mission statement of St. Thomas More Parish? No, we're just trying to get the pipes fixed. So that's, yeah, yeah. And the heat. And the <laughs> is, that, is that from his work on Charles Dickens? Yes, it is. A critical study. Well, his favorite novel about Dickens was Pickwick Papers. And in that, he goes into the fact of in Pickwick Papers, he says it's the only thing that really doesn't have a plot to it at all. But Mr. Pickwick and his band simply, uh, they encounter, you know, these chance encounters with people along the road. And he said, uh, it's not in what their destination was and where they're going, but in those encounters they have that um, there's the great, you know, that's where real life is. And... Uh, we could see, and so for Chesterton, it was always in the travel, in the journey, and to that end, at the end of the road, but really there is no end to the road because the end, the eternal end, is heaven, and where, again, uh, all those chance encounters will become even deeper, and that's, again, where, uh, where the true meaning of life is. Would, um, let's just talk about how do we help people see um, in the midst of the vocation of, of being a Catholic Christian where suffering is present to, when they have great difficulties in their life? Is, is the way that you have found and as you've uh, been pastors in your parishes to help people support them as they're struggling to try to find happiness in the midst of suffering, perhaps in an illness, um, in a loss of a job, uh, and maybe a marriage coming apart um, that... To, to find in the midst of it. How, how do we encourage and be uh, a people of, of hope um, in the midst of these difficulties, to see them? Because we, again, 
as, as, as Catholics, we, we know that the, the Good Friday is not the end. But what about those who maybe their faith is a little less strong and, and there's a little bit more uh, difficulty? Well, I, <clears throat> I'm reminded of the times that I've experienced as, uh, as a priest. And um, I'm always reminded of, and, and we're, again, we're in Lent and preparing to celebrate the sacred triduum. And I remind, I'm reminded of the Paschal Mystery. And I always think of Mary at the foot of the cross on Good Friday, uh, where she is witnessing the, the torture of her, of her young son um, and his death and agony. And I can only imagine if someone had gone up to the Blessed Mother and said, hey, you know, I know this looks bad, but it's going to be fine in a couple of days. I mean, it, it would almost be insulting yes. uh, for someone to say that to her. And yet that's what the truth was, that three days later, uh, God crushed the power of sin and death and Satan and made all of that go away. And so that, that is a sign of hope, at least, I think, for me in the midst of uh, suffering and difficulty. That's a very good point. I, and I, I kind of stray from you, or hesitate stray. to use the word no stray wasn't the right word i, I feel like i want to say uh, hesitate to use the word happiness in those situations of people struggling just because of the the less than careful use of the term that that gets often used and and so but but those calls to hope those calls to remembering the past uh, i i think of uh, the person of job in the in the old testament you know basically saying i'll never be happy again uh, but he did remember the mercies of God and the past toward him, the goodness of God, and that kept him faithful to God. And, and there's something in that, I think, for all of us, just to remember the, the current suffering, the current tragedy, the current sadness is, is uh, not mm. eternal. It's not perpetual. And, and that God's been good to us in the past. He'll be good to us in the future. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know what shape that happiness is going to take, but uh, it, it is going to do that, and that's our statement of faith in the midst of our struggle. I, I think, too, there's always, even in the present, so in the past there's been happiness, in the future there will be happiness, but there's always some uh, strand of joy. I was visiting an, an old woman in uh, St. Augustine's Parish the other day. She'll turn 90 in May, and so when I went in to see her, she said um, at her house, she said, Father, I can't see you. My eyesight's gone. And um, so I was talking to her, she said, Father, I can't really hear you that well. My hearing's not very good. And then she says, but my teeth, I still have my teeth, Father. And I thought, well, <laughs> what, are you going to bite me? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but she was able to find that still, even her hearing is going, her eyesight is going, but there's still something to be uh, thankful for and praise God there's for. There's that gratitude. We're almost out of time, and uh, actually, I've asked the uh, vicars if they knew, but there was a survey done by Mark Fabry and Associates, which is a national polling booth. The two happiest cities as far as the, the people who live there, Yuba City, California, and Butte, Montana. No question. Oh, Butte. All right. <laughs>